Hello, and welcome to The Conversation, a podcast aiming to encourage natural and honest conversations surrounding mental health and well-being. This is an informal podcast. Think friends chatting over coffee rather than professional therapy. We will discuss some pretty heavy issues, including anxiety, depression and suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling, take a look at the resources listed in our bio. So, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable and get ready to join in The Conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Conversation Pod. Thank you so much for all the lovely feedback so far and I really hope you enjoy this episode where I sit down with one of my dearest friends Jess and we talk all things anxiety and panic attacks. It was a really lovely chat and we both hope you enjoy. I'm joined with my lovely friend Jess who is one of my oldest and dearest friends um, who is also a paramedic and uh training to be an adult nurse is that right mm-hmm. yeah adult nursing so multidisciplinary medical legend i think is like the official title that you will now <laughs> be given on everything we have been friends for a good many years we went traveling together we have been through a lot of life moments mm-hmm. um and so we're going to obviously talk about anxiety and panic attacks because what a beautiful part of our friendship that is. And you are one of my favourite people to talk to about it because you have a very, very similar approach to me that you're quite like blasé. I don't know if that's the right word or very just like matter of fact. Like we, we have the same approach in that way. I, I think because I personally have had... Um, I don't think I recognise that they were panic attacks, but I think I've always had that anxiety. I think particularly because I'm a control freak for as long as I can remember. So it just, I normalised it. I was like, this is just a normal response to things. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm just feeling really overwhelmed and anxious and panicky. Like this is, this is normal. This is how people are in their day-to-day life. And it's like, no, that's that's not how it's meant to be. But I think I was just like, no, it's fine. It will go in a bit. (laughs) I was trying to think the other day of when my like first panic attack was mm-hmm. and I I can't pinpoint it because I think it was so long ago but one of them I think it was we were at like a church function like some sort of village churchy thing and I remember I just felt really really sick really hot and I was like oh my god I'm having a heart attack was how I felt and I think I was probably about 11 Mm. and I was like oh my god I think I'm having a heart attack anyway went outside felt I couldn't breathe but you know pulled myself together went back in but then every time mum was like oh we're gonna go to this place I would get this like real sinking feeling and I couldn't place it and I was like I don't want to go there and now looking back on it I can't remember what the word is but it's the thing when you associate a place with a feeling so like I knew oh, I felt really rubbish when I was there. And so then every time we thought about going back, I would get so unwell that I couldn't go. I was like, there's yeah. no chance that anyone else feels like this. So I just, like, yeah, I was like, this, like, this is fine. I just need to, like, get over myself, really. But yeah. when do you, what's your, like, earliest memory? I think I was always, like, I've always been a bit of a perfectionist ever since I was younger. And so particularly when I did school and I remember being at school when I was like 10 11 years old like you know when you're doing your like 
and sats and whatever like and I remember feeling so unbelievably overwhelmed and stressed about it um to the point that it was making me feel like as you said like that nauseous feeling um which like partially but like there's no need to be that stressed that age like it really doesn't matter and I remember looking around at everyone else and just being like why is no one else panicking I'm panicking um and I think that was when I first experienced that like anxious feeling um but I think I recognized it as being more of a thing when I got older and I was in secondary school I think I mean it's it's terribly cliche I know when my parents split up I think I had a lot of anxiety around that but it was the, the thing is with when you're anxious about education you can control it I'd revise more I do more work but when it's something like personal and it's emotional you can't control it and I think that made it 10 times harder because you just spiral because it's not something you can you can control yeah and I I remember when I first like got help you were one of the people you were one of the only people who knew kind of what was going on in my head because I was very you know, I was still at that stage of I can't tell people because, you know, people will think I'm weird and I want to seem like the happy, bubbly one who always has their life together. I can't like people are going to think I'm a liar. And, you know, it was it was really hard. But when I had that um, period in uh, 2016, I like I, I couldn't leave the house for like five weeks or something. And you were one of the only people that I saw, um, mainly because we were planning our interrailing trip. <laughs> which which is the perfect thing to do when you're really struggling with your mental health but that was something else to you know I I often think about our plane journeys because as two people who suffer with anxiety and panic attacks we both flying. we hate flying and we both went into like anxiety control mode where we both knew the other so well that we were like right you do your thing I'm going to do my thing but I always wonder, like, if someone was looking at us, we must have looked like we just had the biggest bust up and like we were being forced to sit on this plane because we didn't talk. <laughs> no, we were just in our own little heads trying to, to cope however we could. Must have looked like the most awkward travel. I just remember I was like rhythmically like tapping my knee and like you had like headphones in and you were doing something. We must have just looked like really, really fucking weird. <laughs> So when did you get, I don't know if help's the right word, but when did you reach a stage when you were like, I don't think this can be like a me problem anymore? Like when did you reach out to people or, you know, professional or not? When were you like, okay, maybe this shouldn't be something that's just me? So I think when I was at secondary school, I spoke to my friends, including you, and I think other people going through the same things. I think that's the age when you start recognizing your emotions as being like, is this mental health related? Like it kind of all pieces together and you kind of think, oh, okay. Um, so I spoke to friends, which was, which was great. And I think um, I spoke to my mum and she was really good. And, and she was, she was excellent at kind of being like, you know, take some time out, take a day off school, have a mental health day. She's a massive advocate for mental wellbeing and, that she really instilled that kind of you need to chill and and not burn yourself out on me but the first time I got professional help was when I'd spoken to doctors about feeling overwhelmed just mentioned it to GPs when I was in secondary school but didn't really do anything with it but when I went to college I really really struggled and 
the college offered me cognitive behavioral therapy. So I did a like a course of cognitive behavioral therapy. I think it was like 10 weeks worth of sessions. So 10 sessions. Um, so that was the first time and, and the only time I ever had a form of therapy. How was, was that? It was weird. I'm not a very open person. Keep a lot of cards close to my chest. Just that's just I think how I tend to be. Um, I'm kind of someone who I'm like, I'll talk about it when I'm ready to. And so having someone pry and forcing you to talk about things was really uncomfortable for me. Um, the main takeaway I had from it was honestly just coping mechanisms for anxiety. So they were kind of being like, okay, what is it that's triggering? Because the issue I was having was really irrational anxiety. So it would be like, I'd just be sat there doing nothing, nothing would happen. And then it would come on so severely. And it was recognizing actually, okay, what's triggered this? Because once you recognize your triggers, you can then recognize ways that you can fix it or ways that you can kind of process it in your head. Because ultimately anxiety is feeling overwhelmed by, by something and thinking something terrible is going to happen. And it's breaking it down into little pieces and going, okay, no, it's fine. This isn't going to happen. Let's get rid of the irrational fears. So that was helpful. It was, it was, yeah, it was helpful to a degree. I think for some people it would work better for some people it will work worse, but it's worth, it's worth trying. And for me, it was, it was kind of the only option I had really. So when, when I went to the GP and she was like, oh, you could do therapy. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm just incredibly cynical, which is stupid. Cause I'm like, these are medical professionals. Like they have trained their lives. They know what they're doing. And I'm like, yeah, but will it work? Like, I just don't know if I buy it, which is a terrible approach. And I wish like, I don't know. I think everyone should get therapy. I, I very much want to look into it just you know, I'm in a better place now, but whenever I do feel shitty, I'm like, I, I think I think it's definitely worth doing. But I did some online CBT things, which were actually really useful. And they followed the same process that you said. And it, I'd never really thought about it in that much depth before. And it was all about breaking it down. And I remember I had these pages worth of notes that I was making because I found it really interesting. And it was these sort of cycles of feelings like, what's your trigger, what's your response, um, you know, what's your physical, what's your emotional, and it was all about breaking down what each of those mean so that you can break that cycle, and I then saw myself doing it, and so I'd, like, feel really, really worked up and really anxious, and I'd be like, okay, well, you feel anxious because this is happening, therefore your body is going into fight and flight, that's why your chest feels racy, you know, you're not having a heart attack, you're your adrenaline's pumping blah 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 and I think finding the science behind it actually really helped me oh massively so it and we do it at work all the time because the thing is like if anyone's ever had like a a full panic attack you you feel like you're dying you you truly do you feel so unwell and we go to people all the time particularly people who are having either the worst panic attack they've ever had or people who have that I've been to so many people on the ambulance and they have their they've had their first panic attack and they call us because they think they're having a heart attack. They think they're dying and they're, that's what they feel like. And we sit, I always try and sit them down. We do our, our checks. And as we do all of our checks, I, I show them, I go, look, this is what your heart rate is. Okay. It's a bit quick because you're panicked, but it's okay. This is what your heart currently looks like. This is what your blood pressure is. This is what your oxygen levels are. 
they're all in normal range you're okay and you have and it's just that that realization you need you need something to ground you to go okay you're not dying okay let's let's slow down let's think about it and you're right it's it's like to a degree the science the science behind the emotions yeah my mum and my brother used to be really good at that so I remember I had a, a really bad panic attack when we were at like this local beach car park like it was chill day with my mum and my brother like there was no pressure no expectation but I just yeah we're in the car park and I just completely lost the point lost the plot and it was really really hot and my mum said it was the only time where we were sat in the back of the car and she thought I'm gonna have to call an ambulance here because I don't know what to do and she's not calming down and she could see I was getting more and more like breathless I was getting more and more worked up and she was like I don't know what to do but Will obviously has a science background as well so I was you know he was like tell me what you're feeling and I was like I can't feel my hands I can't feel my feet I can't you know blah 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 and he was like oh that's because blah 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 and then I'd be like, yeah, like my chest feels really tight. And he was like, oh yeah, that's because blah, blah, blah. And he was just very like chill and very just matter of fact, like he wasn't trying to fix anything. He was just explaining it to me. And I think the more he did that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. And like you said, the whole thing about control, mm-hmm. it's recognizing like your body, you are in control of this, but your mind's making you feel like you're not. And it's about regaining that control. And for me, knowing what's going on, makes a massive difference so if I could have gone back to like 13 year old me and be like oh no you're fine it's just like this is your body's reaction to something rather than this is all in your head you are clearly not stable and no one's going to understand you but the thing is hindsight's like a wonderful thing and my thing that I have recently so when even because the thing is, even when your medical background, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like you can, I can tell myself, this is a normal reaction. It doesn't make it feel any less worse. And I went through a weird thing in my first year of uni where I would get really overwhelmed in some public places. But the main like trigger for really bad anxiety was supermarkets. Really random, which is weird because I love supermarkets. But so you love I, supermarkets. I love them. I love a good supermarket. The little middle aisle is my happy place. Um, <laughs> But I went through like probably like a six month period where I just felt like I could not go. I used to freak out. I just wouldn't go to the shops. I'd send one of like my flat weights. I just didn't, I just felt like I couldn't go. And I thought I was the weirdest person. I never really said anything to anyone about it. I just avoided going because it would truly just send me into like a weird spiral where I thought I was going to pass out because I just felt so shitty. And I was talking to my, I mentioned it to my boyfriend the other day and he went, oh yeah, that's really normal. And he was like, supermarkets are designed to be overstimulating to get you to purchase things. He was like, so they're, and they're so brightly lit to make you look at all the products. He was like, so they're deliberately made to be super overstimulating. So it's a really common thing to have anxiety with. And I was like, I never thought of that. I never thought of it like that. I've never heard it normalized before. And he said it like, yeah, no, that's really common. That's, that's a normal thing. It makes sense. You're overstimulated. You're overwhelmed. It is a bit of a like sensory overload, I guess. And I was like, well, I wish someone had told me that at the time, because at the yeah. time I thought I was going mad. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah, well, it is a bit of a sensory overload. Like, are you like me? If I know I'm going to panic, all well, my senses will go up as well. So, like, my yeah. sense of smell. So, like, if I'm somewhere, like, it might be really, really pleasant. Like, once I had one at um, a wedding and 
it was like really nice foods but all of a sudden it was so strong and like sickly sweet and I was like oh my god and any noise as well is becomes almost like tinny and like it it just sounds horrible so yeah obviously if you're in a supermarket where it's loud it's busy it's really bright you're surrounded by people you don't know that makes so much sense but it's just having someone rationalize those like thoughts that you have because yeah you just feel like you're going I just have so many periods of my life where I just I just thought there's something really really wrong with me because there's there's like why is my body being like this why am I responding to this like that and then actually afterwards you look at it and you go no that that was that was okay you you got anxious over something but there was there was a reason for it one of my biggest oh my god okay maybe I'm not completely insane moments was in my uh, uni house with one of my friends Meg who was on the first episode and I don't think she'll mind me talking about this um and we were talking about like toilet anxiety like bathrooms not in the sense of like going but I said to her something if when I was younger I would really really worry about whether if there was a bathroom where I was going and I she'd be like oh my god so did I and I was like, really? She was like, yeah. So like if we were going to a beach or if I was going to someone's house who I didn't know, or if I was going for a long walk or a bike ride or, you know, anything, I'd be I'd be looking up like, oh, are there public facilities there? And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't have IBS. I don't have like a really like I don't have bladder problems. Like physically, I'm completely fine. But I would find myself panicking. And like if things like going to a church for like a christening, I'd be frantically looking up beforehand, like, is there a bathroom here? And I thought I was absolutely mad. And then I spoke to Meg and she thought the same thing. And it's the like, if I know something's there, then it's not a problem. But if I feel out of control and that if I needed the toilet and I couldn't go, it would make me so anxious. And I also realized not that long ago, because like I said, I have no physical things wrong with me in that sense. But I've realised my go-to, if I feel I'm going to have a panic attack, I don't know if you're the same, I'll be like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom because oh. it's a, it's a get-out. Yeah. So it's that place that's not too far away that you know you can go to and be on your own. And I'm like, I think that's why I would always want there to be one. Because if I knew I was going somewhere that was just a big open space and it was like, if you're going to have a freak out, everyone's going to know about it and everyone's going to see it because there is no isolated space that can be just yours and it took me so so long to work out that that was what it was um and I can remember that for honestly like when we used to have holidays in like Butlands and places like that so I'd have been like under the age of 10 maybe like seven or eight and I remember having those feelings and wanting to know if there were facilities somewhere and I'm like god like that's that's a long time to be feeling that way. And I think I've only just worked out what it is. But just hearing someone else go, oh no, yeah, I used to get like that because it used to make me like feel like really out of control. And I was like, fuck it out. Why don't more people talk about this? Because if I was like 14 and it heard someone say that, I'd be like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I I get that. My big one is like outside, like if I get really anxious and I can feel a panic attack coming on. I get really overheated and I feel like whatever base I'm in feels like it's getting smaller. 
And so I always loved part of like it's the main reason why I hate flying is because you can't get off the plane. And so I yep. end up feeling stupid. Um, so I always find myself looking for like escape routes or a way that I can get out to to be outside. And I remember when I was at university um and we had to do surgical placements so you had to go into surgical theaters and watch surgeries and the surgeries could be like four hours long um but they'd be the hospital i was in was this massive hospital it was on like the top floor you had to walk through all these hallways to get in and then once you're scrubbed up to go into theater you can't leave if you leave you can't come back in because obviously you're completely so i just remember being stood there being like i can't leave and if I wanted to leave, it's going to take me like 10, 15 minutes to get to any outside space. And I remember feeling very stressed about that because I was very aware of the fact of being like, if I have a panic attack, it's uh, like, there's no way out. If I leave, that's it. I can't come back in. It, and it was, it was very hard for me to kind of process, process that that's what it was. I get exactly the same. And I don't know if you do this, but like, small things like whenever I'd go to a cinema or a theatre I'd always want to be on the end of an aisle and I never really thought about it but I would always choose to sit on the end of an aisle because it's easy to get out so I would oh, do yeah. the same thing as you whenever I enter a new space I would do like a sweep of where's the exit where's the toilet where are like these places that if I feel really rubbish I can go to but I mean I was doing that before I even knew that I was doing that Oh, and yeah. I, I think loads of people do. This is the thing. I think anxiety related behaviours or, or feelings like that are, are so commonplace and they just, I don't know, you just, you think you're weird for doing it. And then when you actually start speaking to people, which I think is why like anxiety in particular is, is so important to be like spoken about, because what makes it worse is the feeling that you're like in the wrong like it's it's somehow your fault that you're feeling this way or that you're weird for feeling that way and when you start speaking to other people and they go no I've, I've felt that as well I understand what that feels like it it makes you feel better it makes you feel more grounded in it one of my other ones is food like if I was going out for a meal because one of my main like uh, symptoms or whatever is I'll feel really, really nauseous. Like you, I will feel like I'm going to be sick. And like sometimes I'll dry heave because I feel like my throat almost closes up. I don't know what the science is there, but like my chest goes so tight and my throat, like I feel like I'm gasping for air and it makes me dry heave. And then like I've never actually been sick ever. So, I mean, obviously like in my life, but anxiety wise, I've never, it's never happened but it's always the most ill I've ever felt. So like when I was in my really, really bad period, the worst thing someone could say to me was, oh, do you want to go and get food? Because I would go, if I feel really, really nauseous, I'm not going to want to eat and I'm not going to want to be somewhere that smells really strongly of food. So it would be things like you'd be going for a group meal, like with family or friends, and it would be so lovely. And you're with people that you're like the most comfortable with. But I would walk in there and straight away, I'd be like, right, where's the exit? Where's the bathroom? If I sit on this seat on the outside, like I don't, no one has to get up if I want to get out. So I would never like pick a seat that was like in the corner or like on the bench. I'd be like, oh no, you sit in there. Like I'm going to sit here because it's on the end and like no one else will have to be affected because of me. And I think you're like me as well, where because we're not big, I say not oversharers, I've made a mental health podcast, but as in like, cards close as in I don't like giving people problems like I don't 
talk about things unless I feel I have to, which I've realized is really unhealthy. And like, that's why I've kind of made this is it's just self-therapy for me, kind of. But I wouldn't like people to know that I was feeling that way. So I would do everything possible to not get other people involved in it. So I think you make those escape plans and those escape routes and those things because you say, what can I do here that's going to cause the least effect to anyone else where I can make myself feel comfortable on my own? I, I think that's the, like, it's just you don't want to be an inconvenience to people. And I always feel like whenever I go to people having panic attacks in the ambulance, because they don't always call for themselves. Sometimes their fa- friends or family are worried and they call for them. And when you tell them, I think you're having a panic attack. You know, I think this is what the cause of it is. They, like every single person, their immediate default is just, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I've done this. I'm so sorry to you. I'm so sorry to everyone else. And they just like repeatedly (laughs) apologize. And I'm like, it's fine because like, I've been there. I've been at that stage where I'm like, I need, feel like I need medical attention. (laughs) Um, But it's that automatic, like, doesn't help does it you're already feeling absolutely rubbish and then you suddenly feel like you're an inconvenience on top of that and you end up in some weird vicious cycle and I would it would sometimes trigger me so like one of my big things is events or big occasions where there's pressure on me to be a certain way so things like birthdays like never been massively keen on my own birthday and So my 21st for me was a really big deal when I had like you and I had loads of my closest family and friends and my ex-boyfriend was there with his family and then my family and then school friends, college friends. Like it was a lot of people of whom I all, you know, I really wanted to see them all. But I was like, they are here for me. They don't know each other. And so like I felt an enormous pressure and I always found that really, really hard, which is stupid. Because they're the people who, if you were feeling rubbish, they would understand. But you know, that doesn't always make it make it any better. No, it makes in some ways it makes it harder because I'm like, oh, I know they'd all be fine, but I would just be letting everyone down. And I remember it was my cousin's wedding. I've told you about this, and it was one of the it was one of the most beautiful days in the world. It was an amazing day, but it was single handedly one of the worst days of my life because I had I think six panic attacks in total on that day and it came to the evening and I was absolutely knackered like I was so drained and it's because not only had I had six panic attacks I'd in between each one had to be 110% happy positive helpful because I was a bridesmaid and you know you had all the pictures and all the speeches and dancing and it was lovely like those moments like it was such, such a lovely day. It was like I was in this bubble and I wasn't really part of it because I was trying so, so hard to not let anyone know how I was feeling. Because when you're having a panic attack outside of a church just before you walk down the aisle and the bride's behind you, you, the bride can't know. I was like, this is her day. I'm not letting me and my shitty mental health have an effect on what's supposedly the best day of her life. So the thought of feeling like, an inconvenience to someone else was was massive for me. Do you think if anxiety was more normalised and and having breaks out because you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious was just part of like a daily thing in the same way that someone that's going to be like, oh, I'm I'm feeling a bit overheated. I'm going to go stand outside for five minutes, you know, or I'm feeling a bit. I'm going to sit down for five minutes. Do you think if anxiety had 
that same kind of normalization that it, it wouldn't have been that big a deal for you to turn around and go, actually, I just need 10 minutes. In the grand scheme of things, 10 minutes isn't going to make a difference to the day at all, but may have made a difference entirely to your day. Entirely, like completely. I think the thought of having to explain to someone why I'd be needing a bit of time out was enough to make me not want to do it, which mm-hmm. it sounds really stupid, but things like at parties, um, like, you know, prime house party era when we were growing up, you know, in this sort of 16, 17, just unbeatable. But I would always find myself if people were like, oh, I'm going out for a smoke, I would always go with them. And I've, I don't smoke, Same. but it was that, yeah, we, oh, like, yeah, we both do, where I'm like, oh, it's just a chance to get some air and it's a chance yeah. to go outside. And it's that little gap of, okay, I'm going to go outside here. I'm away from everyone. I'm away from all the loud stuff. I can just take a breath and then go back in. And I don't know, it, it's that weird little escapism, which makes a massive difference. Yeah, I get that. I totally do that all the time, which was great when I had asthma when I was younger, because I'd go stand outside and people would be like, well, go back inside, you're stood in a smoke. And I'm like, I'm fine. I swear. <laughs> it's like, do I want to help my mental health? Do I want to make my asthma worse? <laughs> it's yeah, just going to balance these. It's like, I've got an inhaler for asthma. That's fine. I don't have an inhaler for anxiety. <laughs> oh my God, imagine it. Anxiety sucks because, like, when you're in the middle of a panic attack, the only part, like, people can help you and reassure you, but it's within you to to calm yourself down. And I think that's the hardest bit because, you know, I go to people who just, like, we turn up and I turn up in my uniform and they kind of look at you and they're like, fix me, make me feel better. And I'm like, I can't. I can, I can tell you techniques, breathing techniques. I can try and reassure you. I can talk things through, but ultimately I need you to to try and ground yourself and and talk yourself through it and I think that's one of the hardest things about it and you can fix one panic attack and then another one can come around the corner and it's I think that's such a difficult thing about it yeah that's something that because I'm thinking back to when we were in Italy I didn't have one at all and how you know we were there for about a month Mm, and I don't think I mean we both had like anxious like I had anxious moments. Do you remember we were on that we were like really beautiful island? Um, oh yeah. And I felt really anxious in this cafe. And I was like, oh my God. And I think it's because I had that weird somewhere we don't know. We've just taken a boat trip. You know, there's the safe space then was the flat that we were renting. And I was like, to get back there, there are so many steps and mm-hmm. so much that I have to do to get to that space. So there was no quick kind of get out. And I think that's why. But even then, I was so much better at sort of recognising what I was feeling. And probably because I was with you, I was like, okay, like, don't have to just pretend I'm fine. You've just kind of got to ride it. Just ride it out. Go with it. But it does make all the difference when, even if you're not feeling anxious, when you know you're with someone, that if you said, I feel anxious, do you mind if we leave? Do you mind if we do this? And you know that they're going to go, yeah, that's fine. No stress. That is so reassuring. It's so reassuring because I find one of the worst things when you're with new people or people who, who don't know that sometimes you have anxiety, you just kind of think like, oh my God, am I going to have to explain this to them? Whereas, yeah. if, and I think that's partly why that trip was so, so calm for us. Cause we were both like, 
we're in the same boat. It's fine. We like the same things. We don't like the same things. We we both want the other person to have a good time and feel comfortable. So there was there was never any pressure for either of us to do anything that we would feel uncomfortable with. And I think that's why it was so, so well, that's why it was such a good holiday. Like you were saying about how it it's so unreasonable sometimes. And when you say you'd be sat on your own um, and you'd suddenly feel really, really anxious, like if there was a period in that year where I was going to feel anxious, it's when we would be on a five hour train, not entirely sure we were on the right one, not entirely sure where we were going, when it was hot and cramped and busy. And, you know, we knew that we were on this long ass train, you know, that right there would have been the moment to go, oh my God, I'm freaking out. But, you know, when you came around to, you were going to come around for a coffee and we were going to plan something and I had to cancel because I had a panic attack at home on my own. And I'm like, what is the logic? Like, what is, I don't understand. And it's having to understand that sometimes there is no reason and you cannot apply logic to something which is so irrational. I like to consider myself a semi-intelligent person. I would try and find logic because I would have these two parts of my brain and one part would be saying this is absolutely fucking ridiculous pull yourself together like you are being an idiot you are completely fine but the other part was like you're definitely having a stroke and a heart attack and an epileptic fit your your arms and your legs are going to fall off like you're you are 100% going to die and trying to like get those two parts of your brain to work together to get yourself out of what you're feeling is really fucking hard Oh, it's the worst bit. I remember, I mean, this should have been a sign that it wasn't a good relationship, but I remember once my ex, I said to him, I'm feeling really anxious. He said to me, yeah, but the thing is, like, your anxiety is just, like, it's just not rational. Like, you just, like, it's irrational anxiety. And I was like, okay. Whereas the reality of it is, if there's anything that's making you feel anxious even if it's just come out of nowhere it's it's rational because it's made you feel that way you don't have to rationalize your emotions like you you don't and some things that you think are going to affect you I think this is the thing and I always feel really guilty because I think in my line of work I picked a, something that's very high pressure very intense very stressful and I've never really had I've never had a panic attack at work I've never felt anxious and I've gone to some strange high pressure situations and I've just been fine with it and then I'll be getting the bus back from work and I'll be like really overwhelmed by the bus and I'm like hang on five minutes ago I went to like a stabbing and I was just like chilled but now I'm on a bus and I'm anxious how does that work and I'm trying to think about it in my brain and it's like this does not compute I don't understand that's such a good way of putting it though that like everything is rational if it's happening to you Like, if you're feeling a certain way, it's like when people say, oh, you know, my problems aren't valid. And I'm like, you know, comparatively, there's a massive, you know, range of issues to different severities, blah, blah, blah. That if something's like, if you're troubled by something, then to you, it's a big deal. And therefore, it is a big deal. So if you're feeling a certain way, if you're feeling out of control, doesn't matter if you are or not. To you in that moment, you are. And therefore, it needs to be treated as such. So, yeah, having someone who's meant to care for you go, do you know, it just doesn't make sense. You're like, yeah, I fucking know it doesn't make sense. But that's not what I want to (laughs) hear. I think one of the worst things that we do as society is ignore, like, mental health that we think isn't as valid. 
you know people will happily talk about oh you know your mental health is bad you're feeling depressed because you've you've lost a loved one or you're feeling anxious because you're going through really high stress in your life at the moment um but when someone's living a, a seemingly you know happy or perfect life and you think oh, they've got nothing really stressful or bad going on but they're feeling depressed or anxious we have this thing of being like well what what do you have to be depressed and anxious about and we we don't validate it as much and i think that's terrible and this is why people go under the radar with their mental health because we're, we're not looking out for the people who seemingly have it together yeah that's so true when you hear like the really shocking stories of people who've you know taken their own life or who have had to be sectioned or who you know clearly aren't okay and needed help and people are like oh I had I had no idea and it's because well you know they had good family life and they had good friends and a good job and I'm like yeah but that doesn't matter like mental health doesn't pick people on no. their financial situation or their social situation yeah and it doesn't you know we need to to recognize and, and it deserves the same amount of attention and same amount of treatment and and help as mental health caused by massive emotional triggers it's it's the same thing you know a panic attack is a panic attack at the end of the day when you're in the middle of it it doesn't matter what caused it because you're in the middle of a panic attack and it yeah. needs to be addressed and dealt with with the same level of empathy as as anything else yeah do you have do you ever find it hard if you're like having a panic attack and you're having this symptom that you know the science behind and you can't control it like do you ever get really annoyed at yourself yeah I think I which makes it worse I think I can sometimes be too hard on myself my main thing is I now like earlier on in my life when I was like a younger teenager I would have more like acute panic attacks um now I tend to have like what I just keep referring to as like slow burning anxiety that just like builds up and it's there and it's making me feel really rubbish and it's just like sat there and sometimes it takes me so long to recognize it and I get really frustrated with myself because I'm like no you know that that was anxiety you should have recognized that you should have recognized that the reason why you were feeling tired and a bit nauseous and like I get like achy and like just felt rubbish and I kind of I'm like no you're a healthcare professional why didn't you see <laughs> come that? on I was like come on do better it's quite good I think some of my work colleagues can be quite open about um mental health they really try and push for it because of like the job that we're in they really try and push for open discussions about it and it's it's unanimous everyone says the same thing it doesn't matter that you you know the science behind it you know why you're feeling panicky you know it doesn't help it doesn't help doesn't do anything for it you're still going to feel that way and I mean that proves how rubbish it is when you're suffering with something like that that someone who understands it inside out and knows how to try and you know not fix it but how to control it even someone who knows that and is completely familiar with it can't help it sometimes sometimes healthcare professionals are worse for it in the same way that we're like oh it's just a cold I'll be fine I'm not going to go to the doctor about it because you self-diagnose and people be like it's just anxiety I can just fix it and that's just not how it works something I've asked everyone at the end of the podcast is what piece of advice would you give to your younger self whether that's someone just going to uni or you know whenever you thought whenever you start to recognize that mental health was something in your life what piece of advice would you give yourself or what do you wish you would have known then to to help you 
That's a very good question. I love that. Um, I would have just said to not not be hard on myself, not beat myself up about it, you know, and not feel guilty for taking the time to to focus on my mental health and and repair. Because I think particularly when I was in college and that I felt like any time that I wasn't doing something productive, I was guilty. And I think I would have just been like, don't don't be so hard on yourself because ultimately it, it doesn't matter. You know, you need to focus on your mental health as importantly as your physical health. I think that's a massive thing that I wish I'd, I wish I'd instilled in myself. I think I would have saved myself a lot of time. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And I can't wait until we can have these chats in person in your lovely house. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thank you.